Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. Thank you, Lord. You know, there are times in life that, you know what I mean, you can try this or that, and sometimes it'll work, but there are other times in life that your only possibility is found in Jesus moving on your behalf. Amen? There are times that we face that are just bigger than what we can handle. And I am so grateful that God is a God of miracles. Amen? I'm so grateful that God is without limitations. He absolutely is without limits. He can do whatever, whenever, however. Amen? See, some of y'all, just like, like myself, you know, there have been people in your life that you thought, man, oh man, God is such a good God, but I just, I just don't see this person bowing, bowing a knee to you know, to the Lord and accepting Jesus Christ to be their Lord and personal Savior. And then like me, it was my, my stepfather. It was just, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple years after I gave my heart to Jesus and I was thinking, man, I just never see Mike. I cannot see Mike ever bowing a knee to you, Lord. And it's almost like the Lord just kind of stepped back a little bit and, um, and said, really? You don't see that happening? And uh, I got a call a couple of years later, and, and my dad said that, that uh, I, I gave my heart to Jesus. And, um, and he got baptized. And for the rest of his days, he's with the Lord right now. He's in the presence of the Lord right now. But for the rest of his days, he served the Lord. And he would find different churches. And he would, you know what his ministry was? His ministry was to, was to straighten up the church chairs before the service and to clean up any any trash that was around the parking lot. He did what he felt he could do to honor and to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. How many of you know that we can do something? How many of you know that we are alive and well because God is saying, listen, I have called you out of darkness to walk in my marvelous light, but I've got a job for you to do as well. Amen? And I'm telling you what, that's a miracle in itself, amen? Just look at your own life. You don't have to have anybody else look at your life or examine your life, but it's a miracle that God can use somebody like me to do what he does through me. I'm just telling you, you may not see the magnitude of the miracle, but I do every single day because I know me better than you know me. And guess what? I know that you probably put off that you're a little bit better than you really are too. Amen? God is a miracle-making God, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. Amen? Do me a favor. Don't touch anybody, but give somebody a distant high-five, you know, an air hug or or something like that. But uh, you may be seated. We live in Idaho, and one of the things that I can tell you about Idaho is, is that we are a very independent people. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You know what I mean? Like, we, we, we're, we're not really, you know, we're kind of in the middle. 
we're kind of a, a fundamental uh, people. Our belief systems are, are, are fundamental and basic. And, and a lot of times people will approach, you know, situations like, like this. They'll say, I, I'll believe it when I what? I'll believe it when I, when I see it. And um, until then, I'm not going to get too overly excited um, about things. But, but this is kind of how we are as a people. And, um, and I just want to challenge us in that. I want us to take a look at, at, um, at all of the things that are going around us even right now that we do not see. Like, like uh, radio waves, for instance. We can't see them, but on your way home, you can tune in. You know, you can tune in to a radio station. Could you imagine if we could actually see the coronavirus? You know what I'm saying? Like, like let's say you're out in Walmart, if you are bold enough to go out to such places. But let's say you're out in your local Walmart, and, um, and you could see the virus. Like, you could see certain people. Like, let's say the virus is, like, it's, they're just red. They're just red with virus. You know, you, you are going to go out of your way Come on to, to dodge, you know, those kinds of people. I think what, what causes so much fear and anxiety in people is, is that we, you know, we're, we're dealing with something that, you know, that, that we just cannot see. And so there's a lot of things in life that are there and real, but you cannot, you cannot see them. And I believe that as Christians, God calls us to believe even when we don't see in fact, the world says believing is seeing, or seeing is believing. But as a Christian, I believe that the Lord says, listen, when you believe, then you'll begin to see certain things. And until you believe, you're not going to see certain things. And so it's quite opposite. And so the challenge this morning is simply this. Whether you're online or with us in person, the challenge is this. Do not limit yourself to the natural and miss what it is that God is trying to do in and through your life. Because there's many times things that God is trying to do in and, in and through your life, but you're going to miss it because you limit yourself just to what makes sense or what it is that you can see. Come on, there are times that we don't experience miracles that God has for us because we, in fact, block the presence of God. We actually hold the presence of God or the power of God at a distance simply because we fail to believe we know this, that God has natural laws that govern the world, right? Whatever you throw up in the air is going to come down. You know, we've got the law, the first and second law of thermodynamics. You know, there's all kinds of laws that God has put into place to govern the world. In fact, scientists are scientists simply because they, they look at the patterns of what it is that God has put into place, and you can predict the patterns because certain things happen because God said that they're going to happen that way. And so, so, so scientists, they'll begin to study these natural laws that God has established and put in place, and they will draw conclusions based on those laws. How many of you know that scientists don't create anything? They just, they, they step back, they look and they evaluate, they predict what will happen based on the laws that God has put into place. And so when we talk about the supernatural... And when we talk about miracles, basically what we see is we see God overruling his natural laws so that he can do something specific or do something special at a certain time, come on, to bring about his plan in somebody's life or a group of people's lives. 
come on, God overrules his natural law that he put in place, and he does something supernatural to bring about something powerful in the lives of a people group or a person. He trumps his natural laws. And I want you to know this, that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you entered into a supernatural realm. Whether you wanted to or not, you entered into a place of, of serving a God that's not always going to make sense, is not always able to be understood, and is going to do things that go against everything that you thought before you know, was, was necessarily right. See, the problem is, 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 is that whenever we enter into the supernatural realm, the problem is this, when we're so comfortable and we're so confined to just natural thinking and, 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 and the way things have, have always been. And I'm just saying that in the Bible, it doesn't take a long time to realize that some things come by faith and faith alone. And so, if we have an inability to believe simply because we've never seen it before, or we haven't believed it in the past, then I'm just saying this, it's possible you may not step in to receive what it is that God has for you simply because you're limited by the physical and the natural, and you pay no attention to the spiritual realm or the supernatural realm. John chapter 11, we see this. We just heard the story. How many of you know that that was supernatural in nature? Jesus calling somebody that has been dead four days is not natural. It goes beyond the natural laws that God himself has set, in, has set into place. John chapter 11 is the resurrection of Lazarus. Do you know this, that he took the whole chapter, chapter 11, to talk about this one man and his story? Verse 3, I'm going to paraphrase through this because we've, got, we've only got so much time. Verse 3, you know, Mary and Martha send word to Jesus because their friend, their brother, Lazarus is sick, which is Jesus' friend, which he loved very much. Hey, send, you know, so, so there's a need, there's an issue and a problem, and Mary and Martha know who to get word to. I'm telling you, for some of you, like, like, like this, is, this is like step one. When you're faced with an issue and a problem, instead of going to your sister or your mother and your brother or your best friend, there's nothing wrong with those people, but why do we get all the way down the list before we take our issues to the one that can, that can really do something about it? Listen, Lazarus is sick. He's dying. So they're saying, listen, we need to get word to Jesus. And that's what happens in verse 3. Verse 4 Jesus is told about Lazarus' sickness, and he gives a promise. I'm telling you what, we need to learn to stand upon the promises of God. Jesus said this, his sickness is not unto death, or his sickness is not going to result in Lazarus dying. And then Jesus does something interesting, and, and, and it was so that his power could be glorified. He delays his stay you know, he, he, he just kind of sticks around for a couple more days before he even starts heading towards where Lazarus is. And so, so he delays his departure, and during this delay, Lazarus dies. Or Lazarus does what Jesus promised would not happen. Jesus said, listen, his sickness is not going to end in death. Jesus spends a couple more days hanging out, Lazarus dies, and so it makes Jesus look like he's what? 
It makes Jesus look like he's a liar. Some of us even have a hard time putting that out of our mouth. I ain't going to say it. I'll let you say it. But that's what it portrays is that Jesus made a promise and he came up short on his promise. And, uh, and his sisters are mad about it. You know, this story put it in so cute and so nice, but they were upset that, that, that Jesus didn't come sooner. In fact, Martha comes running out. Martha was the mouth of the relationship. Like Mary, timid, quiet. Martha, mouth. Martha was like Peter. She was often going to say something even if it was wrong. She comes running out to Jesus, the mouth, the talker. Verse 21, she says, where have you been? This didn't have to happen. If you would have been here sooner, I mean, she's railing Jesus. She is, I, I don't think that this was like, hey, where have you been? I think that she was mad. She was giving him both barrels of the shotgun. This was now Jesus' fault. You know, if he would have been there, this didn't have to happen. Mary is the quiet one. Mary goes home. She probably crawls up in her bed. She's surrounded by people that are consoling her. But she too is saying, just in a different way, man, if Jesus was here, that, you know, this, this didn't have to happen. And I'm just saying this, that many here today and many people online, maybe you can relate to this, that, that, that you know, something has happened in your life, but now you're blaming God. You, you know what I mean? You're upset because that thing that you were trusting God with, it did not turn out like you anticipated for it to turn out. And maybe you're here today and you're struggling, you're dealing with some issues, and you're like, God, I've been faithful all these years, and, 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 and come on, I've been, I've been a servant, and I've been giving my tithe, and I've been, I've been telling people my testimony, and this, 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 and this, and then all of a sudden, you're dealing with something that you don't want to deal with, and now somehow it's God's fault. Come on, if you're going to be honest, I'm telling you that there are people even in this room today that have sometime either you've gone through a season like that or maybe you're in a season like that today. Your trouble is God's fault. So number one, I want you to know this. Jesus was disturbed by the pain and the emotion of Martha and Mary. In verse 35, Jesus began to look around and he was so sad. He was looking at Mary and her tears and all of the Jews that were around them and their tears and they were consoling, you know, uh, Mary and Martha, and Jesus is looking around not only because they're crying, but he's looking around because this is his friend, and, and you know what, he, misses, he knows what he's going to do, but he's missing his friend, and so the shortest verse in the whole Bible is found in verse 35, Jesus wept. He began to cry, he began to, he was emotional, and it wasn't a show, it wasn't, you know, he didn't have onions in his pocket, make it, you know, make it look a little bit you know, uh, uh, you know, better than really what he wept because, because of the anguish and the compassion that he had on these people. But I want you to know this, that while Jesus, and this is Hebrews chapter 4, you can read about it, while Jesus sympathizes with our infirmities, he never lets his emotions rule his, his theology. Come on, he sympathizes with our, with our short. He's got compassion, but he never allows his emotions to overrule his theology. 
And I'm just telling you this, that this is a place of, of, of possibilities for the church to get better. Because the, the snapshot picture of the church today is we love the Lord, but we are governed by our emotions more than probably ever. Yeah, I love the Lord, but I am mad. And Jesus is like, listen, I'm not going to act on my emotions, but today I believe that the Lord would say, man, the church today is acting like their emotions. They'll throw Jesus in the, in the back room. They will blow up. Come on, they'll have a moment or they'll have days, and then they'll come back. And I'm just saying this, that the Lord's plan for your life is not to allow your emotions to govern your actions, but that we are grounded in the Word of God so much that it doesn't matter what happens. Yes, I'm sad. Yes, I've got compassion. Yes, I wish I was doing something different, but I'm not going to lose my identity in Christ because of a, a, a momentary emotion. How many emotions have you gone through that have passed? So why are we going to lose control in the moment. And Jesus doesn't do that. Hebrews 4 is all about him sympathizing with our infirmities. But he never lets his emotions govern his theology. He feels the pain, but the pain does not determine his action. His commitment to God's truth overrides his momentary emotion. Verse 38, fast forward. Verse 38, Jesus comes to the tomb and he issues a command. Verse 39, the command is this. Remove the stone. Somebody say that to your neighbor. Remove the stone. See, there's a large stone that is blocking, there's a large stone that is blocking what he is fixing to do and where these people stand. And I'm just saying this, that it's possible that the life that you're desiring, it's possible that the life that has been promised for you, it's just simply a fact of removing one object and I'm not downplaying that object. Maybe that object is a huge thing. Maybe it's like a divorce or, or even worse yet, the loss of a loved one. Maybe even a child. And so I'm not downplaying that, 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 that the heaviness, the weightiness of that situation that is standing between, that is blocking you from the life that God has for you. All I'm simply saying is, is that that thing can be removed no matter how big it is. This stone was no little thing, and it was no little feat to move this stone. And he said, listen, remove the stone. Number two is this. Jesus' commands always require action. When he tells you to do something, he, he, he doesn't want to debate you about it. He simply wants you to take action. So in verse 39, Martha the talker, Martha the mouth, Jesus says, remove the stone, Martha shows up again. Martha begins to address Jesus again, and she says this, remove the stone, question mark, question mark, question mark. Are you nuts? He's been in the tomb for four days. His body is deteriorating. There's some great stench that removed the stone. And so Martha does what we often do is we enter into a conversation with God with our human logic. He, what we do is we enter the conversation with our natural abilities. And he is a supernatural God. See, we limit what God is able to do because 
because we begin to doubt. We begin to confine. We put Jesus and God in a box and saying, listen, don't you understand? Of all people, you should understand. But he wasn't asking for her opinion. He just simply gave a command that desired a response. That's why I think Marines make good Christians. Because Marines, we don't think. We are taught, listen, if there's a command, take the hill you know, we may ask a question, okay, sir, but once we take this hill, which, what's the next hill we're going to take? You know, what do you want us to do next? We're not, we, we don't enter into debates. If somebody has a higher rank than you and they say go, you simply go and you simply do. That's why Marines, whenever, all my Marine guys, if you guys are watching right now, I'm telling you what, you surrender your heart to Jesus, and I'm telling you, the kingdom of God have warriors that are, that are just vast and, and, and ready to do all kinds of things simply because of your training. But God's not going to want to just use your, your natural abilities. God's going to want to use the supernatural call that's been placed upon your life, but continue to live like the warrior that you are. I'm telling you what, God, God needs military men and military women because they're, they're, they're doers. And in fact, I'm just going to pause right now. This is Memorial Weekend. And I think what we should do is we should just take a minute right in the middle of this service. I feel compelled just to take one minute of silence. See, Memorial weekend it's it's you know it's great we're around family and having barbecues and those kinds of things but it's an it's a it's a time where we remember the ultimate sacrifice like it's not veterans day it, just because i'm a veteran and you're a vet this day is not for us this day is for those that have paid the ultimate sacrifice come on went you know to some sort of a battlefield and, and gave the, the ultimate sacrifice. They gave their life so that we can have the liberties and the freedoms. And I think that, I think that a minute of silence would be appropriate. Lord, we thank you for those men and women that gave the ultimate sacrifice. And we thank you, Lord, for their families that also did the same. We pray that you would just draw close to them, God, during this time. Let this be a special time of just honoring their service. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, it's interesting. Everything that Martha said was correct. I want you to know this, that you can be right and still be wrong. You can be absolutely right, but because of your right thinking, live a limited life. There are, there are things that are better in life than being right. And I'm just saying that here is a woman that was absolutely right. Yeah, he had been back there four days. She didn't say anything that was incorrect. She wasn't stretching the truth. She was being right, but she was being limited. And once again, Jesus wasn't asking her opinion. Jesus was simply giving a command that he wants us to take and do and to carry out when he gives us these commands. So Jesus' response to her was something like this. Didn't I say to you, and this, when I read this, it reminds me when I was a kid and my mom would say, you need to clean the wax out of your ears. Because I would be like, why or what or you know, or your dad would say, you better pay attention when I'm talking to you. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost, I hear that when Jesus is, she's like, but he's been, she's given all these truthful points, but, but Jesus said, didn't I say to you? Like, like I hear him saying, I wasn't asking your opinion on this matter. 
I simply told you what to do, now go and do it. Number three is this, nothing will block a move of God like your logic. Some of you are just too smart for a miracle. You, you, have, you, you, are, you have educated yourself out of God being able to do something supernatural in your life. You're just too, you're too smart. And we can be too smart. And I'm just saying this, that God's not saying turn off your mind, but He is saying, listen, look at all of the things that have never made sense in, in history. you got a whole book of things that have never made sense. I'm the same yesterday, I'm the same today, and I'm the same forever. And if I could do it back here by, by, by you know, going against gravity, he's splitting apart that seed so, so the people could, you know, could walk through on dry ground. If I could do that, you don't think that I can do this? But, but we over, we're, we're too educated. We, we, we're too smart sometimes to step into a realm of faith and just simply believing we're educated right out of the supernatural. Jesus said, did I not say that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? He didn't say, did I not say that if you see, you'll believe? He said, if you believe, then you will see the glory of God. So, so seeing the glory of God is dependent upon your ability to believe what he says is true. Most people live their life, show me and I'll believe, but he's saying, believe and I'll show you. This is very important because some of you right now are in need of something bigger than what you have in your tool belt to, to, to bring about. You need a miracle. I, I'm challenging you, start believing for what it is that you need, and I believe that God will show it to you. So he says this, my question to you is, is what are you going to see? It says, did I not say if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So what's the glory of God? The glory of God is God on display. The glory of God is God advertising himself. The glory of God is God showing his power come on in the, in the earth, and there's a reason for it. You go back to Matthew 13. We're in John chapter 11. You go back to Matthew 13. Jesus went certain places where he was limited in his ability to minister and do miracles simply because they didn't believe. His own town. Isn't that just Jesus, the carpenter's son? He had to leave because, because he was limited by their ability to believe. Verse 41 says this. So finally, it didn't say finally, but in my mind, it's so finally after this, 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 this conversation that shouldn't have even been there. So finally, they removed the stone. And what I want to hit on is something that's easy for us to overlook. It says finally, they removed the stone. It didn't say finally, like the conversations between Jesus and Martha, right? It didn't say finally, she got up and went and moved the stone. It said they moved the stone. And I'm just telling you this, that this is why being plugged into a body of Christ is because God's church is his people. And it's important that we're connected. One of the things that pastors are talking about all over the country is how this COVID is going to affect you know, people coming back together again. See, people might get so comfortable just watching service. Like right now, it's great. And we encourage you to do that if, you're, if you've got any any concerns whatsoever. Like right now, it's awesome. But I'm telling you this, that there is a day that, that it's going to be important for you to get up in the morning, take a shower, shave your face, come on, put clothes on, eat breakfast, have a plan, 
Be prepared. Grab your Bible. Spend some time in prayer before church. Come all the way down to the church. Drive all that three quarters of a mile that it takes to get here. Come into this place. Begin to worship with the people of God because God's plan is for you to be connected and there is a real concern that people are just going to be comfortable and the enemy's going to play on this. Yeah, absolutely, the word's going out, but I'm just telling you this, that there are some things that you're going to need help with with other people helping you to roll away stones in your own life and you're going to be needed to help move uh, stones in other people's lives And I'm just saying, you being connected to the body of Christ is valuable and important. If you're living for God, you should be moving stones, either your own or somebody else's. Verse 41, Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I think this is interesting too. The word heard. Heard is a past tense statement. It didn't say, Father, I thank you for hearing me. It said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. This means that there's been a conversation that has taken place prior to the statement. Not thank you for hearing me. And I'm just saying that whatever it is that he's fixing to talk about has been previously discussed. And I want to take you all the way back to Hebrews 11:2, when Jesus says, the sickness will not end in death. I pose to you, and this might be a stretch, but that's okay. I pose to you that Jesus, at the, at the point of receiving the request, immediately had a conversation with the Father. Because we know in other parts of the Scripture that Jesus doesn't go, he doesn't do, and he doesn't even say things unless the Father gives him instruction. So I believe that the need was presented. I believe that there was a conversation that was done in the spiritual realm between Jesus, the Son, and the Father. And they came to an agreement that when the bridge of faith was crossed, that, 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 that there would be a miracle that would take place. It didn't, it didn't matter what happened from that point to the point that the faith was exercised. When faith was exercised, come on, there would be a supernatural miracle that would take place. And I think that that word heard is a past tense statement, meaning that we've had this conversation previously. And I'm just telling you this, that I believe the miracles that you need, it's very possible. I'm not saying it has taken in place, but it's very possible that the God that you serve, come on, has already conversed about it. He already has a plan for it. And he's put in a stipulation that I'm going to do this thing for Stephanie, or I'm going to do this thing for John, or I'm going to do this thing for whoever, put your name in it, whenever I see faith begin to rise up. When I see people crossing over the bridge of faith, see, you don't have to beg God for something that he already wants to do. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm telling you what I know. I know God wants to do this, that, or the other. I don't know those things. But I know in this situation that he had already had the conversation. There was already provision, and it had everything to do with their ability to come on to cross the bridge of faith. I believe it. And so if it was there, then it could potentially be the same situation for you. Like you're waiting for God to do something and he's waiting for you. He's saying, listen, I've already done what I, what I, everything I can do. Now I'm waiting for you, come on, to move and to be and to speak and to do. The Bible says that he's seen the end and he's walked all the way back to the beginning. 
There's nothing, like, like God's not, he, nothing catches him by surprise. He's already been to the end of days. And he's, come, he, he's already been there. He knows how it plays out. Nothing's going to catch him by surprise. He knows. And he allows us to participate. What is God asking you to do right now? Verse 43 says this. When he said these things, he cried out, Lazarus! Come forth. See, this is a specific answer to a specific need. I heard one pastor say it like this. I thought it was funny. He had to call Lazarus by name because if he would have just said, come forth, all the tombs would have just, they just would have, you know, all people would be just walking out. That would have been kind of creepy. I thought that was funny. It was a specific answer to a specific need. Be specific in your request. Verse 44, it says this, The man who died came forth, bound in his hands and in his feet. He had grave, grave clothes, burial clothes wrapped around. He was kind of probably wrapped around like a mummy. And so, so the miracle, listen, the miracle had taken place. He, that thing that was dead was now alive. But instead of Lazarus just like walking out, Hey, guys, this is probably what it looked like. You know, can't see Feels like I've been dead for a few days. I don't know. Can't see, you know, bound. And so he had his miracle. He was already brought from death to life. But, but the, the miracle wasn't complete. And this is what I love. Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. You see, what I love about the Lord is the Lord allows us to participate in the miracle. Lazarus still does it. He can't see. He can't move properly. He's bound up. He's like, man, these kind of feel like grave clothes. I've never been in them before, but I would assume that this is what they feel like. He comes shuffling out because he has to, because the command of the Lord desire, it, it demands a response. He's shuffling out, and so he's got his miracle, but, but Jesus turns to the people there and says, unbind the guy. What do you say? They're probably laying on the ground. I can't believe Listen, unbind the guy. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says that we are workers with him. Means that we are participants. He, he doesn't exclude us. He includes us. He asks us to participate in the power, to participate in the supernatural, to participate in the miracle. I'm ending with this. The story ends by saying, and many believed on him. I can't even tell you, I think I've touched on this every single miracle message that I've preached up to this point. See, God's not just, you know, hey, flexing his muscles, watch this miracle, this is going to be, he's not showing off. God is intentional. The reason why he does what he does is so that you could believe in him and so that you could follow him. So many people, they come into the church and they're, you know, God, I need that house, I need that car, I need a wife, I need a life. And they're, they're praying and they're like, God, help me out of this whole situation. And then God shows up and there's no ministry, there's no servitude, there's no giving, there's no testimony. We see this all the way back in biblical times. Ten lepers were cured of leprosy. One came back to give thanks. You know what the Lord's saying is that's still the same today. People, you know, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever, God would say. But he's also saying that humanity is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we want what we want because we want it. And then when we get it, we forget why it is that we were given it. And I'm just saying it's not just so that you can show off and, yeah, I'm a self-made man. Yep. It, like if you got money 
and, and you've had some wisdom, and God has come alongside of you and showed you some things, and he's pointed you in the right direction, or maybe he's, maybe he's, he's brought a relationship that has elevated you. It's not so that you can say, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a self-made man. It's not so that you can walk around in the community acting like you're something special, because at the end of the day, you know that you were at the right place at the right time. And what I would encourage you to do is, is, is not only be thankful for the ability to work, but be thankful for the ability of the people that he's brought into your life and given you a mind to see things when a thousand other people weren't able to see it. But don't forget where it came from. Don't forget, come on, who it is that has created you and given you every single ability, come on, that that you have been given. Come on, I'm telling you, God does this so that he can be followed. God does this so that his name can be glorified. There's an old song, Matthew, that we used to sing. It was, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I don't want you to sing it right now, but I'm just, it just reminds me, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, say so. Everybody's jumping around, say so, say so. Come on, the idea is that when God does something, Come on, let's be, let's be participants. Let's get in the game and on the team and let's shout about it and let's, you know, let's, let's let our life, come on, reflect the glory of God. Amen. I'm telling you this, give God the glory because he's the only one that's going to be able to raise you up when this whole thing is all said and done. And I don't know about you, but I'm counting on that. I'm counting that whenever I've lived my life, and I breathe my last, just like Jesus is the one that was able to raise Lazarus. That's a foreshadowing, I believe, of what's to come of those that are in relationship. Do you know Lazarus had a relationship with Jesus? They knew one another. They knew one another. And I believe that even, even in all my imperfections, I know him. Not as much as I need to know him, but I know him, and I know he knows me. And I believe that he is too going to call my name. Travis, come forth. Amen? Let's glorify his name. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for these incredible people. God, and I pray for those that are online and that those that are here, God, that if there are those that do not know you or they don't know where they stand with you, I pray, Lord, that they would just simply receive you today. God, your, 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 your plan is simple. Your roadmap is simple. Jesus died so that we can live. That if we believe in him, that we would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, right now I pray that all over this congregation that we would repent of our sins. And all over this broadcast, Lord, that we would repent of our sins and say, Jesus, please forgive me. Fill me up, Lord. Baptize me with your spirit. Come into my life and be the Lord, the shot caller of my life. I give my life to you right now. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the ministry of the Holy Spirit would just move upon people, that they could make those decisions today and serve you for the rest of their life, not being caught off guard to the right or to the left, but keep their eyes fixed on you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 8.45 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. 
You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.